The man of will breaks all boundaries. As above, so below. Magic of come to realize is a new way of seeing our own world. Something divine truly does exist. You're listening to the Culture Shock podcast with your host, Dave Escuro. Good Monday morning, everyone. Thank you once again for tuning in to the Culture Shock podcast. My name is Dave, and I'm really excited about my guest today. For those of you who follow me on Twitter, you might be familiar with them. Um, it is Viv, Continuous Death, who is uh, an occultist and a witch that is very active in the occult community, um, online and otherwise. You can find them on um, YouTube and TikTok and Twitter and Instagram and all the, all your favorite sites. And speaking of those sites, we had a really wonderful conversation about social media and um, both the good and the bad and, and a lot of the bad um, because that's just sort of the nature of the beast, I guess. And uh, it was such a great conversation that normally I, I've been trying to keep these podcasts to about an hour and it just felt like there was no way to do that. So we just talked and I think we're going to make this a two-parter so you can get the whole of the conversation. I'll find a nice little place to sort of slice it in half. But it was really wonderful. Thank you a million times to Viv for coming on board. I thought that they had some wonderful insight as both a member of the occult community, whatever that means, and also as a content creator, as a as a someone who you know shows their skills online in various facets and sort of the connection that one must have to promote oneself um, through social media in order to you know get followers and praise the algorithm God and all those things. So when we recorded this podcast, I thought it was relevant, but over the weekend, it has become even that much more relevant. And I think that we have touched on some things that have highlighted some of the ugly side of, a, of the occult community and especially as it relates to Twitter. So without further ado, welcome our guest Viv to the Occulture Shock podcast. So Viv, welcome. Thank you for coming on the Culture Shock podcast. I've been really excited to speak with you for a while because, um, as we sort of talked about, you know, before we started recording, I want to talk about social media, and and for me at this point in my life, if I discontinued or whatever, unsubscribed my social media accounts, I don't think it would be that big of a deal. It doesn't. Have, impact my personal life in any real way other than maybe it would be difficult to connect with certain people that I connect with. Um, but for you, you're, you're a content creator. Like you, you're, you know, your sort of business is brand, whatever you want to call it. I hate those terms to some degree, but like you're on the internet, like your business is sort of socially fed. Um, mm -hmm. It's a weird place, isn't it? Social media. Yes. It's a weird place to be in. Um, and especially like you said that, you know, it does impact my life if I do suddenly stop, you know, um, and I don't really have the option of deleting my accounts unless I quit altogether, right? which is not something I'll do. Um, and it can get, it can become a toxic place. Um, you know, obviously there's pros and cons, but man, sometimes I, I get sucked into it and I, I'm, I, I can't, I can't just, you know, stop. Yeah. Yeah. You know, for a lot of people, if Twitter gets too toxic, they can just delete their account. And, you know, I don't, I have like too many followers to do that right now. Right. So how many social media platforms are you on? I'm on Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, and TikTok and on Hiro, but I would say that one's like the only one that's not toxic at all. Right, right, right. Yeah, it's, it's funny because I'm, um, I saw the evolution of social media. And when I was a kid in my late teens, uh, we had, it was really sort of relegated to chat rooms and um, uh, messenger groups, like Yahoo Messenger used to have like, you know, you could connect that way. And then I think I remember what was a Friendster was sort of the first sort of more contemporary social media platform. And that didn't last very long because it, it got pretty bombarded with like bots pretty fast. And then there was MySpace, of course, in the golden age of MySpace and then LiveJournal and then eventually Facebook and Instagram and Twitter and Snapchat and Vine and TikTok. And I can't keep up with it all now. Yeah. <laughs> I, I begrudgingly have social media. I, I, it's, it's like... 
Like I think about deleting it all the time. Like my Facebook, like who do I really have on there? Well, I have some family and it is convenient to message through the messenger, which I use more than the app itself. Um, same thing with Instagram. Like it's, it's a convenient way to sometimes share memes, but beyond that, it, it's lost a lot of its luster. Um, but Twitter is an interesting place and, 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 and I, and TikTok seems like it as well, but I don't have TikTok, so I don't see it firsthand, but there, I want to read a quote, um, that I saw, I reposted, it was someone posted on Twitter and, and I want to sort of get your take on it. Um, this person says the main activity of occult Twitter is finding the worst possible take from an extremely online teen, pretending it's a universal or common belief, freaking out about it, and then patting each other on the back for not sharing the same ideas as some random kid on TikTok. Mm-hmm. I think yeah. that's a little simplistic, but I don't, I don't think it's entirely wrong. Oh, I agree with that. Um, I, I, there's, there's parts of that that I agree with and parts that I don't. You know, for example, um, people really freak out about the whole closed practice discourse or one, some, one, one or two, maybe 10 people, outliers say, I don't know, honey is closed, you can't use honey, sure. which yeah. I've heard. <laughs> um, and then people will say, oh, all the teenagers think you can't use honey, which isn't true. But on the other hand, I have seen, um, for example, the Nazad, the evil eye, that's mm-hmm. something I grew up with. And someone on TikTok made a video saying it was closed. They weren't part of those cultures, obviously, because that's right. that's just how they, that's how they do things, right? Um, and everyone in the comments were saying that it's not closed. Well, a few months later, I see a similar video pop up. I see several similar videos pop up, and everyone is saying it's closed now. So somehow this information spreads, and the groupthink shifts. Right. So, to some extent, I do agree with that tweet, as in. A lot of the time people, especially on other platforms like Twitter, where actually people on Twitter are more reasonable than people on TikTok, which might be surprising to some people because Twitter is a crazy place sometimes too. Right. Um, and yeah, they, people definitely do that. I've probably done it myself where I'm like, oh, this stupid teen said this. And then a bunch of people liked it. And I'm like, I didn't mean for this tweet to uh, be so, so popular. Um but I think there is valid concern in the fact that people are believing this stuff. And also young people do matter. They're, yeah, people are assuming they'll grow out of it, but we don't know that for yeah. real. And I, I've seen adults say it, say this stuff. So I, I don't think it's just teenagers, to be honest with you. Yeah, I, I think there's a sort of natural urge, especially amongst older people, of which I count myself for. Uh, to sort of be dismissive of things with that exist within newer technology we don't understand as kids and um, I don't think I don't think we can assume that just because someone's part of a certain generation that they're 15 you know they might be quite a bit older than that and, and I'm a big believer that we should not infantize adults like at a certain point you're in a grown adult and yeah. you're accountable I, I wonder so this is so the, the, the close practice thing and and a lot of this, I agree. I, I I think that the the the, I think there's a lot of truth in that statement, but I also think it's a little simplified. And I think that part of it is that um, in this late stage capitalist society, our ability to have authentic identity is near impossible. Anytime there's any sort of counterculture that's created or any sort of rebellion, um, it gets very quickly swept up by the spectacle and repackaged for you. Yeah, there was a point um, in in the old and grunge days where sometime after Nirvana had come out, maybe even their second utero came out. Um, Mark Jacobs, the fashion designer, did a runway where all the models were in grunge. Right. And this was like this was like, you know, the flannel wearing and the ripped jeans was because they were kind of from a somewhat rural area and it's cold and it's wet and it was a practical it wasn't a fashion statement. It was just how they practically dressed. Um, if anything, it was probably meant to be an anti-fashion statement, you know, sort of a rebellion against the, the peacocking of the, the hair metal genre. But, but within a year or two, it was already being repackaged with a, with a label, with a high price tag and being sold back to you. 
Um, and I feel like it's only gotten worse since then to where, the, you know, what might have taken two years during the age of grunge takes 20 minutes, mm-hmm. you know, and Sephora's got witch kits for you to buy and there's black craft oh, coal and yeah. there's uh, black milk and, and then there's nothing wrong with any one of these clothing brands. I like that stuff. But yeah, but, you know, when I was a kid, my mom, because I wore all black, my mom would throw holy water on me, you know, now. You could go, I mean, I remember when Hot Topic first kind of opened up, you know, and it was like, it was, you know, it was kind of relegated to a certain type of person. And now it's, it's just, it's everywhere and everyone has a clothing line and, and, you know, and, and um, symbols that we may use in our spiritual practices are just like fashion design now. Kill star. (laughs) Kill star. Exactly. Yeah. And again, I'm not against that stuff, but Mm -hmm. it does feel like our society has, really taken our ability to be unique individuals. I don't want to say it has taken it away from us. It's made it very difficult. And and I can only imagine how much more difficult it would be for a younger person who's still finding their identity, you know, in a world where it's all commercially available for $9.99 off the shelf. And you too can now be goth or you too can now be punk or whatever, whatever it may be. And I do think that that has translated over to social media to some degree. Oh, I completely agree with that. Um, the commodification of, um, you know, I'm more into goth than anything else, but um, didn't it didn't used to be like that. People didn't used to go to Killstar and just buy a goth outfit for a thousand dollars, buy a dress for like 80 bucks, you know? Yeah. Um, the commodification, and I made a tweet, I think yesterday, where I was saying the goth tag on Instagram doesn't really have much relating to the actual goth subculture. It's just sexualized images of goth, alternative women, basically, which I don't want to see that. It's not what I'm there for. It's not what I'm following that tag for, but it's also the commodification where, you know, oh, you can get this outfit at Killstar for like a hundred dollars. Um, and same with like, you know, the occult where we've got, um, you know, now now you can go to Walmart or Five Below and you'll find, you know, the, the white sage sticks, yeah. um, which is horrible that they've commodified that. And now now it's it's their fault that it's going, you know, it's becoming endangered and stuff. Um, and there's this culture of instant gratification and that really transfers into the occult for me um i focus a lot on witchcraft and there's a lot of young people who don't want to go through the process because as you know there's a lot of research involved there's Mm -hmm. a lot of practice there's a lot of discipline and um a lot of people they want to go straight to the hexes they want to go straight to the love spells i'm sure we all did something stupid as when we were younger i mean i did i did a love spell that backfired in like 10th grade in high school you know um but it's gotten worse with the whole internet and then you know they'll see some can i curse yeah absolutely (laughs) okay good (laughs) they'll see some fucking 12 year old um on tiktok 13 year old who's like oh this is how i do my love spells and then the other ones do it and they want instant gratification you tell them to read and they they say it's offensive for some reason that you're discriminating against them for telling them to research that's the whole thing and it's tricky and it's tricky too because i saw another post say um I don't know if it was a mutual or someone I follow or it just sort of popped up, but it was someone who was saying that they advocate for taking um, hikes and that um, by virtue of advocating taking hikes, they were being ableist because not everyone can go hike. And I, I think it speaks to sort of the larger tricky thing. And this goes into the close practice conversations. Um, there's there, I don't think, certainly within occultist circles, but, but progressive circles in large, I don't think that we're really ready to talk about the issues with, I don't want to, I don't want to use, um, I, I don't want to use right wing rhetoric, but like uh, extremist culture, let's call it that. Right. Wherein I think a lot of folks come online and they want to be, they want to make the world a better place. I think that's where it starts for most people. I really want to believe that. Um some of it's trendy. 
you know, mm-hmm. being, being progressive is trendy. Um, that's just reality. When I was 19 and a socialist and, and having dinner with the socialist party's presidential candidate in, in a small town in Texas, like it, there was like five of us and we were ostracized even from our own punk rock friends for it. Whereas now everyone's got a red rose in their bio and they've, mm-hmm. you know, maybe they read the, the idiot's guide to Marxism, maybe if, if we're lucky and, you know, now they're socialists or now they're whatever. And, and I don't want to look, everyone starts however they start, but I think we don't talk about that extremists have gotten in, you mm-hmm. know, and while those folks who would say, and, and I would agree, like cultural appropriation is bad, you know, cultural mm-hmm. uh, disrespect is bad. There doesn't ever seem to be any line that says, okay, but now we're talking about stuff that doesn't even make sense, you know, and, and it gets, we're getting into murky area and, um, because everyone wants to belong to the progressive group. No one's willing to say, Hey, this is too much. So then mm-hmm. what you get, what, like you mentioned earlier, whereas younger folks predominantly go on certain platforms and they see a video that says like the evil eye is bad or, or closed rather. And, um, and then they believe it because who wants to be the person that says it's not because then you're immediately labeled a fascist, a Nazi, a conservative, or whatever. A lot of times when I don't have my photo in my profile, the first thing that people assume is that I'm white, <laughs> which I'm not. Even yeah. though even though I use a pseudonym online, a skill is still a Spanish word. I chose that specifically. And Dave yeah, is actually my first name. Pretty obvious. Yeah, but but that's the first thing people will go to. They'll go to like, oh, you must be white to instantly discredit me so that they don't mm-hmm. have to actually have the harder conversations. Are, do, are you finding that a lot? Are you finding that that, um, that we're not willing to have the hard conversation that, that yes, although right-wing people say it all the time, the Joe Rogans of the world and idiots like that, but there is, we are going too far with yeah. some of this canceling and 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 faux, I'll call it faux wokeness or extremist behavior, whatever. We'll pick a term that's that's not been co-opted by the right, but but there's something going on and it's it it feels nefarious. Absolutely. So um I know you probably witnessed this because um we were we've been mutuals for a long time. Um no. we were mutuals when this happened. I made a tweet a while ago saying tarot isn't a closed practice. Little did I know this would be a controversial tweet. Out of all the controversial tweets I've made. I, I, I shout my, my thoughts into the void and I think I should have been canceled for something else. Not that. <laughs> oh, I had so many people attacking me, quote tweeting me, um, insulting me, harassing me, insulting many, my parents. How many people were, of those were Romani people? <sighs> Probably around two. <laughs> out of right. all of them. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and, uh, and the funny thing is these quote unquote activists were making fun of a Romani mutual of mine who made a video um, saying it wasn't closed. So right. take that as you will. Um, <laughs> I even had one of them DM me demanding that I pay them reparations for saying that Tara wasn't closed. Oh, I remember you mentioning that. Yeah. Yeah. It's weird. Um, which, that was shocking to me. I was like... I don't know who you are. Um, I eventually just didn't respond. And um, I had to go on private for a few days. But my point is like, I don't understand how you can think you have the moral high ground in any situation where you harass people, stalk people, insult their appearance. In some cases, people have gotten doxxed and gotten death threats. Mm-hmm. Um, on TikTok, Wiccans have gotten doxxed and gotten death threats because they're Wiccan. And there's this rumor going around that Wicca is somehow the root of all cultural appropriation and evil in the witchcraft community be, by people who just don't want to face the actual root of the issue. So they find a scapegoat and the easiest scapegoat is Wicca mm-hmm. because, and they want to seem countercultural because Wicca is like the most popular one. They're like, oh, I'm not. I'm not with those people. I'm not a Wiccan. Right. They're cultural appropriators when they're not the only ones that have ever culturally appropriated. Yeah. And, and, and that's a tricky thing too, because, um, you know, first and foremost, I, I've said this before, like 
not all people of color have the same opinion on things, just like no people have the same opinion on things. And what might be close for me may not be close to another Chicano person and so on and so forth. So it's more nuanced and requires discussion. Mm -hmm. and, and what I find too often is that people take a very definitive stand which then never ends. It never comes to a natural conclusion. There's no rationale that it reaches. It's just like, this is closed. Oh, what if that's closed? This is closed. What if that's closed? This is closed. And then you start getting to very strange territory. Yeah. I, I saw someone make a comment um, that said, some people don't believe that cultural appropriation, how did they state it? Some people don't believe that cultural appropriation is real or closed practices are real because we all come from Africa. Now, I get what they're trying to say, and I, and I probably get what the argument was, but I, but I want to say this, because I, I just try to look inward to my own culture, right? My own culture, as I was raised in South Texas, as a Chicano, is influenced by a lot of different cultures, American culture, mm -hmm. Mexican culture, indigenous culture, German culture, so on and so forth. And so I've often, I, I remember when I was a kid, People, people would say, um, well, how long have you been here? You know, or how long has your family been here? In, indicating like in the America. Okay. Now, um, for those people who live in Texas or are familiar with Texas, many flags have flown over us. And so, and so I, what, you know, my, my grandfathers were each from here. So you track that back far enough, like Texas has been Texas, America and Mexico. So what do you mean? When did I get here? Right. Yeah. At what point though, do we say, Oh, this now is culture. This is defined as culture and therefore no more influence can come in or out of it. It feels, it feels a little short-sighted, which is not to say that cultural appropriation does not exist. It certainly does. I think we talked about like the white sage stick at target. That's a great example, especially if you call it something else, especially if you remove it from its roots. Yeah. Because it's it goes um, a couple of podcasts ago, one of our hosts talked about um, a certain print, like a Navajo print that was being sold at Urban Outfitters, and it wasn't even called Navajo print. Yeah, I listened to that podcast. I remember that. Yeah, yeah, that's definitely an example. That's mm -hmm. a great example because you've not only commercialized something, but you've completely removed it from its origin. This is much different than someone being interested in Navajo culture and maybe falling in love with it and maybe expressing themselves by wearing it or sharing it in a respectful way because they love the culture. Um, mm -hmm. There is there is no boundaries where we're starting to say, OK, like, this is reasonable, but now this is taking it too far because there does feel like there's social pressure to just say yes and go along with everything or else you get canceled or get asked to pay reparations or whatever. Exactly. Um, and I think there's this issue with a lot of progressive spaces. I'm saying this as a leftist, by the yeah, way. I'm, yeah. not, I'm not a conservative. Oh, they're going to call us all. conservatives. They're going to call us Nazis and fascists. No, yeah. and, and they're going like, <laughs> to put us on one of their blacklists. Yeah, yeah. I feel like we need to specify that um, we're both people of color. You're non binary. Mm -hmm. um, what else? What other boxes do we check so we can hopefully not get canceled for having a bisexual? There you go. There you go. Um, <laughs> Uh, you're right. Yeah. So, so hopefully we check enough boxes. We can kind of move past that, but, but go on with what you're saying. <laughs> and a lot of progressive spaces and almost all of them online, there's this tendency to call people who aren't fascists, fascists, who aren't white supremacists, white supremacists, who aren't racist, racist. I remember now I'm not a fan of Joe. I, I'm not necessarily a fan of Joe Biden, but mm -hmm. he's not a fascist. No, he's a racist, I, but he's not a fascist. He's, yeah, he's racist, but he's not a fascist. Not everyone who's racist is a fascist. Um, and I think it kind of dilutes the term because an yeah. actual fascist can get away with it. If you call everyone you disagree with a neo-Nazi, well, guess what? Guess what the neo-Nazis are doing, the actual ones. Um, and I think it's really harmful to call every single person you disagree with a racist or a fascist or you know, some kind of horrible bigot. Now, if they're being a bigot, they're a bigot. But, um, you know, if someone is saying tarot cards aren't a closed practice or if they're defending their own culture, which I've seen, I've seen especially like white liberals 
will tell will call people of color racist for saying oh this thing from my culture isn't closed yeah and i'm just wondering what kind of progressivism what kind of activism that is because you're literally attacking someone from the same group you claim to be protecting i don't get that um but calling someone a fascist for saying like tarot cards and or, or Kabbalah isn't closed, or calling someone anti-Semitic because they work with Lilith, which is a, makes no <laughs> sense to me. Right. Um, but I've seen it. It dilutes the meaning of those terms. Um, and it does way more harm than good. Um, and also I think, like you said, all people of color don't think the same way. Cause people are like, oh, Um, listen to voices from this group and then whenever some of those voices disagree not those voices yeah those voices matter you know yeah um and I think there's this trend popping up especially among younger people of like white saviorism the the most common thing I'm seeing on TikTok right now is um they're accusing half Asian people of Asian fishing when they're Asian. I don't know what fishing means. So they're accusing people of pretending to be Asian, of like changing Uh, their eyes when they're literally Asian. I see, I see. Um, Because they're racist, so they stereotype people. They think all Asian people look the same, Mm -hmm. all Middle Eastern people look the same. I get this where I've been told, oh, you're not Middle Eastern enough to talk about like Middle Eastern culture. I'm like, yeah, what? There's, um, when I was growing up, this used to be my, my, most it still bothers me it's actually it's, it'd be one of those things that you could say to me that would really upset me uh or get under my skin which is um uh it, it's said in two different ways depending on who's telling me um oh you don't you don't look mexican and and what they're what they mean to say is don't worry you don't look mexican that usually yeah. comes from my caucasian brethren and then on the other side you know um some other mexicans would be like ah you're well you know, you're a white guy, you're, you know, you're because, and I'm not, I'm not light complected that much. Um, Mm -hmm. But I, you know, I don't speak Spanish very well, terribly, in fact. And, and, um, you know, I went to college and I guess these are all white things from certain, some subsects of my, my family, you know, really. Um, And there's a, have you ever seen the Selena movie with Jennifer Lopez? Um, I have honestly, I've never watched it, but I know of it. Like okay. I've seen bits of it. So there's a famous line in it where they're on a tour bus and they're going to go perform in Mexico. And she's born in Texas, and she doesn't speak Spanish very well. And um, and he the the father's trying to explain to her how it's different down there. How down there you'll never be Mexican enough for them, just like in America you'll never be white enough for or American enough for Americans. And so this is weird sort of thing that's now occurring on social media whereas like you have to fit a stereotype in order to have credibility but only if you say the things that people think you're supposed to say otherwise mm-hmm. you're not you know you've you've sold out or or whatever and and um to me that seems very rooted in bigotry yeah. i mean that was bigotry to me when i was growing up and it seems strange that it's so acceptable now i, I said this on the last podcast so i don't want to repeat the story too much but a friend of mine who's a nice lad, he has nothing to do with what happened, but he invited me to this Facebook group that was for um, people who are interested in, in magic and such. And it was a little heavily leaning into sex magic, which is fine. But I feel like, again, much like hexes, it's like, let's jump straight to the sex magic stuff and ignore all the hard work because it's like sword or sexy or whatever. Mm-hmm. But it was fine. And, and you know, it's we've, we've spent a year mostly indoors. And so it's nice to socialize on some level. And um, someone shared a TikTok of a, a white gentleman being um, a white gentleman and a white lady who's playing two roles, right? Like cutting the camera back and forth. And the whole bit is people who don't, who aren't willing to accept that they're doing something wrong, right? Because they think they're a good person. And therefore, they think uh, whatever, you know, fill in the blank this is appropriation or is wrong or closed or whatever, they feel like they're above that because they're a good person. I get the premise of it. Everyone's commenting. And and I'm one of, I think I might've been the only person of color who chimed in. And I just said, I just want to add to this that I think it's really important not to speak over minorities. Um, I think it's really important to amplify their voices, uh, even when they're dissenting voices, 
I think it's really important to step aside and let other people speak, even if they say what you don't like to hear, because that's how we become a more diverse culture, letting mm-hmm. everyone have an opportunity to speak and be challenged. Right. I thought, I didn't think that was that controversial. No. One of the, one of the mods uh-huh. asked me to explain myself. And she said, this is a white lady. She said, I feel very confident telling people not to wear dreads or something else. And I said, okay, well, I hear what you're saying. I said, but let's take the example of the dreadlocks, right? That's somewhat something of a controversial topic. And a lot of people have varying opinions on it, but historically other cultures have had matted or dreaded hair. Mm-hmm. So it, 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 I don't think it's so cut and dry. And, yeah. and I think um, if you ask one person of the African-American community, they'll have an opinion. If you ask another person, they'll have a different opinion and everywhere in between, right? So as someone not part of that culture, I would not feel comfortable speaking with such authority. And I said, let me pull it back to me because I always like to try to keep those kind of examples centered into my culture, right? I don't like speaking for other cultures because I don't know them really, you know? Um, mm-hmm. I said, Cinco de Mayo. Some people feel like you should not celebrate Cinco de Mayo. Other people are fine with it. I'm fine with it. I just don't want people to do it in a racist way. Like, if you want to barbecue, if you want to play Tejano music or Mexican music, and um, or you want to make tacos and celebrate the culture, even though it's a pretty minor holiday in Mexico, like, do it. That's awesome. Do it every day. I don't care. But... Mm-hmm. But don't wear the fake mustache and the sombrero and the poncho and all that other shit like that. You don't need to cosplay. Like, that's not necessary. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's not but, No, but there are other people who would say, you know what? You just shouldn't do it at all. And mm-hmm. that's a valid opinion, too, from their perspective. This is why I get really, I have really conflicting feelings on what's closed and not closed. Because, again, what's open to one may be closed to another. And who's right, who's wrong. Yeah, exactly. So, so uh, and she kicked me out of the group. She, 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 I, I went back. I was like, oh, I haven't heard a response. That's weird. Went back and she kicked me out. Wow. Yeah. Now, in a progressive circle of which we are both all part of, right? That seems counterintuitive to what progressive ideals should stand for. Yeah. But, but when we talk about, you know, um, again, for lack of a better term, woke culture going too far, it feels like that's attacked by, oh, if you think that, you must be a Nazi. It's like, no, no, I'm, I'm not. I just, I can still recognize when things go beyond what their intention was. Yes, absolutely. Um, that's, it's really, it shouldn't be shocking to me because I've seen it so much, but it, every single time I hear these, you know, these experiences people have had with, like, like your experience just now, where it is literally a white person speaking over and then kicking you out yeah uh, to everyone listening that is not <laughs> activism <laughs> well if you yeah. do that you're not an activist you're a hypocrite <laughs> well and i think but i think it's because because people are searching for the identity right and the identity is you got it's almost like um do you remember those movies like there's a lot of them like she's all that or jawbreaker or that patrick dempsey movie can't buy mm-hmm. me love where some nerdy character gets a makeover mid you know in the, at the end of the first act into the second act and then there's certainly the cool kid for like the whole mm-hmm. second act and then they go too far and they, they usually fall in love with someone and there's a big fight and then they ends happily ever after those movies always illustrate to me this need to belong to the the it group, you yes. know, the cool group. And I feel like maybe in modern day we've moved away from that a little bit, and but we've moved on to on social media, right? Mm-hmm. So, um, and I think this goes back to that original quote, which is that this has become sport for so many people within quote unquote progressive or cultist or whatever circles, which is that we got to keep up with the Joneses as far as our activism is concerned, which usually is uh, uh, basically boils down to slacktivism, which is just telling other people that they're not pure or moral enough for our standards. And then everyone dogpiling on that until a person, and look, some people deserve it to some degree. There's some shitty people in the world for sure. But a lot of times I find that it's, it's very minor infractions that I think that if we were all in person, like at a dinner table, it would not get nearly as heated as it does. And it would actually probably 
be a relatively uh, um, important conversation. Mm -hmm. Well, and that's actually something I was thinking about earlier today is that it's a lot easier for people to bully someone on the internet because you're not standing in front of them. You can't see their face. You can't see how they're reacting, um, which is why I've seen the most horrific things being said to people who didn't deserve it at all. Like, yeah. Um, Especially, you know, at least, I mean, Twitter does a bad job of moderating, but TikTok is worse. I've seen people being told to harm themselves over nothing, um, death threats, all of that. Um, and it really does bleed into these circles where um, someone will be like, you know, because so on, especially on TikTok, but it's not just on there because those people are on Tumblr, they're on Twitter, they're on other websites. They're just more prevalent on TikTok. Right. Because it's the most popular site for, especially for like 15, 12 to, I don't know, 16 year olds. Um, someone will say, oh, I'm not Greek and I work with Aphrodite. And everyone's like, you're not Greek and, and like, they'll get so mad. Right. And it's so strange to see focused, basically focused ideas being parroted by people who claim to be progressive when that is literally an ideology that is pushed by neo-Nazis. Mm -hmm. And then in the same breath, they'll make another video about punching Nazis, which I, I know they've never punched a Nazi in their entire life. They right. probably never stood up to one. And it's all very... And I know the word performative is kind of a buzzword now. Oh, you're performative, but it is performative. Yeah. Um, it, it's it's mm -hmm. activism from the safety of your couch. Exactly. And it doesn't, and it doesn't really, um, it does do harm, but it doesn't really do much good. I don't feel mm -hmm. like, because it essentially espouses a separate but equal kind of mentality that it's very acceptable within progressive circles. Whereas you can only do certain things if you're a part of this culture which then essentially tells those cultures you can't do anything else. So you have to essentially mm -hmm. live up to a stereotype that someone's determined when, if you go to like a barrio, you know, if you go to like a, a, a ethnically dense area, you very rarely see that mentality. It doesn't yeah. really exist in most areas. Like again, and I think in that same podcast, my friend had a friend who, who does work in Africa and they had no idea, they could not understand the mindset that Americans have about wearing certain apparel elsewhere. And why that would be seen as offensive because it's their culture, right? They just don't yeah. get it. And, and I feel like this is something that we fabricated. Not fab I mean, look, there is an issue. There are real issues that exist, but I think that we have lost the force from the trees and it's, it becomes sport to do infighting and, um, and, and a long enough timeline, like you'll get swallowed up by that, you know? And then everyone feels like they've got to turn on you because you're the kid that doesn't have the cool Nikes. You're the kid that has the Reeboks. And so now you're public enemy number one and we need to mm -hmm. attack that. It's gotten to the point where I think we're so unwilling to recognize our participation in this that now I've seen people say, oh, it must be like uh, influencers, like, like bad at faith influencers have infiltrated the progressive circles and they're trying to make people look bad. And it's like, no, these are just misguided folks who are, no, yeah. you know, who are, who are who generally are just believe that this is, what being progressive means. Absolutely. I see a lot of people saying that they all must be right-wing infiltrators. And maybe some of them are. Sure. For the most part, actually, in my experience, they do think the way that they do. They do think that this is correct. And, you know, the thing with like wearing, I think the thing, one of the issues is, I don't know where this started. I don't know if it was Tumblr. I don't know if it was before Tumblr. I know Tumblr was accessible. Um, but the internet seems to have changed the definition of appropriation because to me, appropriation is like, you take something from another culture and claim it as your own and don't credit them, you commodify it, or you take a very sacred religious symbol and you wear it as an aesthetic, that kind right. of thing, which even that can get like where um, some people are like, oh, you, you can't wear the pentagram if you're not, if you don't practice magic. I'm like, eh, we have bigger problems to worry about. Sure. Yeah. Um, but I think the internet has changed it to you can't participate in other cultures ever. Yeah. Um, first of all, like, and it's contributing to cultures dying out, in my opinion. 
Um, me, for example, sharing Turkish culture with people keeps that culture alive. And as long as they are respectful, I don't see the issue. For example, belly dance. <laughs> there is belly dance discourse. <laughs> yeah, I don't, don't doubt it. Um, yeah, I've, you know, I've seen people say, oh, well, if you're not Middle Eastern or like Egyptian, North African, you can't do belly dance, which is ridiculous. Anyone can learn it, anyone can do it. It's a form of art. The only issue I have is when white dancers don't hire Middle Eastern dancers and are racist towards them. Um, so recently I saw someone say they were Middle Eastern and I think they were also Romani where a white belly dancer called them a sand N-word. Oh, wow. Yeah. Jeez. So <laughs> yeah. if you're like that, I don't want you in my culture. Yeah. However, if you are respectful, go ahead. Like I, I, I just... I think nuance gets lost in these conversations a lot because people assume that everything, every time a white person tries to learn like a form of dance from another culture or anything like that, that they're appropriating, when we need to look at how they're acting, are they being racist towards people of that culture? Are they, or, or are they not? Or are they just taking bits and pieces without learning about it? Or are they actually learning about that culture and embracing it fully rather than right. just seeing a pretty pattern, you know, and being like, oh, this is mine now. Um, and I think the internet, like there's a huge problem with nuance. Like it just gets lost most of the time. Well, and I, I think that there's, um, yes, 100%. You can't do nuance at 140 characters. And I, I felt yeah. like it started within the political theater you know, like you mentioned, you don't like Joe Biden. I don't like Joe Biden either. I remember when Joe Biden was running, you know, I a, a lot of my posts were anti-Biden. And it's not because I was pro-Trump, quite the opposite. I just think that the buffoon speaks for himself. I mean, what more needs to be said? The guy's a reality star. Like he, he, he tells his own story. I felt like there was a lot more whitewashing of Joe Biden's history with racism and, and um, potential sexual assault and things of that nature that were not being highlighted. And I thought that it was important to highlight those things as well. Now, post the selection, I'm thinking that politics in general are kind of a waste of time because nothing ever seems to change. And it just seems yeah. to be a lot of infighting and more tribalism. But so often I had not, not just strangers, not like strangers on the internet, but friends saying, oh, what, you want Trump to win? And I'm like, no, have you met me ever? Like we've known each other for 20 years. How, why do you think that I want Trump to win? I just also don't want this other racist dude in office. Maybe we can have something better than the two shit sandwiches we're being offered. Um, but that just, you know, and and all those people are so inflamed with all the shitty things that Trump was doing. They don't seem to ever have any issue with Biden doing the same things. Yeah. You know, kids in cages. That's cool now. Um, mm -hmm. Giving money to uh, a, a nation that's trying to to do ethnic cleansing that's totally fine. Like now no one gives a shit about any of those. No things. outrage. No outrage yeah. in the least bit because it's being done politely. For sure. You know, because he mm -hmm. tells us to wear a mask. Well, cool. Great. Can you let the kids out of the cages? Because that's more important to me or at least as important to me. Um, yeah. So all that nuance has just gotten, got stripped away, you know, and I noticed the change like around the time, the latter stages of Obama's administration into the Trump certainly, and um, and when activism became appeared to be um, useful and efficient mm -hmm. on Twitter, and I had a friend like you know I've I have mixed feelings on canceling, generally mostly negative, but I did have a friend who told me, and this was a good point, that in some in some circles, canceling is the only available option to protect oneself. You know, for example, with sex workers who can't maybe feel comfortable calling the police. Not that anyone should. Or, or, you know, like this would be the only, you know, public, public accountability is the only way that they can protect themselves. And so I, I want to make sure I respect that. But again, like everything else we've talked about, it's gone from like, hey, let's make sure that this person who is actively a bad person doing bad things to people is called out. So bad things don't happen anymore to bad people to this person did a really stupid thing 15 years ago. And they're mm -hmm. they are forever unclean and they must be banished forever because they don't 
they don't fit the mold of what our perfect society must now look like. And I don't think that's healthy. And, yeah. and in fact, I think any culture that, that doesn't allow room for growth and change and betterment is not a culture that I want to be a part of. Yes. Oh, yeah. I, I fully, fully agree with that. Um, and I think that those same pe- people who are canceling people for no good reason are the are they're the ones that really made. I'm going to say accountability seem like a joke. Mm-hmm. Um, because I, I like to say, I like accountability. I don't like cancel culture. And I know people are going to disagree with me. They're going to be like, oh, cancel culture is a term coined by the right. Well, whatever. There's still toxic aspects to it. I don't sure. care who it was coined by. Um, and the amount of times I have seen false accusations of, I'm not, I'm not talking about sexual assault. Cause I'm not the type of person to be like, where's the proof? Because that is shitty. If, if you hear someone yeah. talk about their sexual assault and you're asking for proof, no, but I'm talking about, they're like, oh, this person, um, this happened with Doja Cat a while ago. They're calling her racist and there's no proof. Turn right. out someone, started, the person who started it apologized that he falsely accused her because she turned him down. Um, but people hopped on the bandwagon and they're like, oh, there's videos of her in a chat with racists. I watched all of them. um I was curious I didn't hear anything racist (laughs) yeah and it's it's tricky too because um man I mean like you want to take accusations seriously because because statistically and historically they are true more often than they are not true but Mm -hmm. again when it comes to that nuance stuff you can't ignore that false accusations do occur um I'll give you an example again I'll keep it personal so one time on Facebook Someone posted um, a, a casual friend posted um, that that uh, they missed George Bush in, in in the time of Trump. Right um, now, this is a a self-proclaimed progressive person, but they they missed Trump or uh, Bush rather. Now I'm I remember when we all hated Bush, you know. I mean, mm-hmm. Green Day became a political band because that's how much we hated Bush, right? Yeah. And so I I mean, look, I probably shouldn't have said anything. But I, I made a smart ass remark and I said, I wonder if all the brown kids that he killed miss him too. Now, was I poking the bees nest? I, I absolutely was. Clearly I was. And I should have just said nothing. But her turnaround combat with me was not to attack me politically or, or my maturity level or anything like that. She called me a misogynist. Now, I didn't, I didn't know that George W. Bush was a feminist icon. But... What? But but it was just her attack. And then she made some she made a false claim that I had spoken disparagingly about my ex-wife, which I never did. I mean, she's not my ex for a reason, but I've always spoken very highly of her. I, I, I hold no ill will towards her, no matter what issues we may have had. And I certainly wouldn't have spoken in the manner that she said. You're just trying to discredit me because I called you out on your faux progressiveness. And you didn't even yeah. bother to do it within the realm of, of, of the arena that we're talking about. You just went for the jugular and you f- outright fabricated a lie, you know, and this is a person mm-hmm. I thought was a friend. So, wow. so that was an incident. And there's another incident. Again, this is all on social media. Um, mm-hmm. Someone made a comment about, uh, what was Trump's wife's name? Melina, Marina, something. Melania. Melania. Yeah. So I guess she used to be a nude model, whatever. Um, because that's we'll we'll get to the uh, puritanical progressiveness in a oh, moment, yeah. but there was a photo of of Melania uh, censored but nude, right? As part of one of her nude spreads, and um, Michelle Obama in like I don't know, just some outfit, some Jackie O type outfit, and they were making some comment about Melania being like a whore or something, and I said, "Hey, like plenty of things to attack people for." Including her, I just don't think that her being nude in the past should be a reason to disqualify her as a person. There's plenty of other things she has done since then. There's certainly plenty of things her husband have done since then. But a woman being nude or anyone being nude, for that matter, does not make them less credible. Right. Yeah. What, if, what if Michelle Obama had been nude? I don't think we'd have the same conversation. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and my ex-girlfriend from a long time ago chimed in and again called me misogynist 
How? What? I don't know. And I was really confused because these are these are people who I have, you know, the, the other girl, I was just sort of casual relationship, but but like this is an ex that I'd stayed on good terms with for many, many years. And and she was calling me massages because I had the audacity to say that perhaps judging a person's um uh, be them women or men for that matter, but specifically women, I think that judging them based on what they show or don't show of their body should not describe them as a human. Does I th- that make you opposite? I, I mean, that's that is certainly was my intent. It was not felt that way. But again, I don't think that the accusation was made in good faith. I think it was made in a way to discredit me, just like mm-hmm. some random stranger on the internet who sees my cat photo. Um, with the uh, Alistair Crowley hat and assumes that I'm white because they don't like what I have to say. It's just this thing that we do where we demonize every single person that says something that we don't like in the most mm-hmm. extreme possible manner so that, A, there's no retort. You know, there's no debate even. They're just, mm-hmm. you're a bad person. You don't agree agree with the hive. And yeah. to justify us banishing you to Never Neverland or the Island of Misfit Toys we're going to we're going to tag you with the label of you know misogynist neo-nazi conservative whatever whatever so that we don't ever have to deal with you ever again and and the fact that these circles are not addressing their own behavior is a naive to 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 be in the best case scenario and maybe kind of lends some credence to perhaps too many of us are participating in this behavior and we're not ready to we're not willing to recognize our involvement in some of this more extremist behavior. Oh yeah, absolutely. I know I've, I've done, I've accidentally, you know, um, got sucked into it too, where you see it so much that you, it almost, you almost become indoctrinated. It's, it's it's almost, it's kind of scary. Um, and you know, that made me think of, this was really minor, but it was so funny to me. Um, (laughs) when I got canceled for saying tarot isn't closed, Several of these people, I had cottagecore goth in my, or goth, I don't, I don't know. I had the word cottagecore in my bio because, because mm-hmm. it's cute. I, I, I love flowers. I love, I don't know, all that stuff. <laughs> anyway. And they were like, oh, I'm not listening to a cottagecore bitch or like cottagecore. Oh my God. Blah, 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 blah. I was like, what's wrong with cottagecore? Is that like a well-established aesthetic or is that just? Yeah. It's like, it's like, you know flowers farmlands cows i don't know except i I like the dark version of that where it's like you know a dark house covered in moss and yeah um you know all of that and then um i think i was talking to georgina about it and she was like i'm pretty sure there's this thing going wrong where people think it's colonial and i was like what wow first of all it's a very u.s centric view on it for me um that's not what I relate it to at all and but then I was like you know what's interesting to me it's the fact that whenever it's something majority women or you know quote-unquote femme people enjoy Mm -hmm. people find ways to discredit it and to basically like shit on it right and they're like oh it's colonial it's bad you can't enjoy this especially most it's it's mostly associated with queer with queer women and I found I was like you know what I find it very interesting that the 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 majority men who make like nature survival videos and Mm -hmm. stuff where they live out in nature that's not colonial but cottagecore is how how mm, how does that make sense so living in nature just so I can understand so living in nature is colonial apparently huh I wonder what indigenous people who lived in nature not to mention all of our ancestrals like background at some point, if you go far enough back would think about the idea that living in nature is somehow bad. Yeah. But, folks, is it only progressive to live in cities? Should we only live in concrete? <laughs> is, is rural bad? I don't know. seems very strange. Rural people are canceled now. Um, and I also saw a tweet that was like, Oh, if you, if you're white and you go off the grid, you're selfish because you're not taking down capitalism. And I was like, well, here's the other thing. (laughs) Um, Neither is the person that said that. Listen, (laughs) you know, 
um, the Bolshevik revolution was in 1917. Okay. As far as I know, capitalism is still around. I'm pretty sure uh, Karen or Chad on the internet has not taken down uh, capitalism with their tweet. Uh, <laughs> I, you know, I don't want to be a defeatist, although I am quick to get in there in my older age, but like, I, I think we need to recognize, and I think that we need to be honest with ourselves that social media is, is cultivates um, like-minded people, right? We quickly block and mute. And I think that's appropriate, but we, we side ourselves with voices that agree with us. Yes. So, sure. so I don't know how yelling into the choir is going to take down capitalism. All mm-hmm. it does is it kicks out one of those, instead of having a community of like, I don't know, I'm just going to make up a number of hundred people who are mostly like-minded, but maybe have a few conflicting ideas. And, and through the, that conflict, you maybe get better ideas. You, you just keep isolating and purifying and purifying and purifying until you're going to eventually be left just by yourself. And and the reality of it is, is that the person screaming on the internet all day long, I hate to break it to you folks, take it from the old dude who, who did it, who's been doing it for 20 years, or I guess not quite that long. I guess social media has only really been popular since 2009, 2010, but at least for 11 years, um, it doesn't work. You're not doing anything. I'm not saying that it can't work. There are opportunities like a, um, if there's a strike going on and you want to go down and, and pick it and support, the internet can be an amazing tool for that. Um, to some degree, the sharing of information, especially when it's being hidden by the mainstream, um, that to me is something that the internet can be good for, though you got to be careful because, you know, on the one hand, you can get information that's not readily available in mainstream, like let's say the details of Johnny Depp's case, right? Mm-hmm. On the other spectrum, you get the pandemic. So you got to be careful what kind of not, not mainstream covered information you're getting. Um, but but screaming into the void in the social media is not revolutionary. It, no. it is it is the most slacktivist because that was a, the, before the term woke, which was by the way appropriated from African American cultures, and actually doesn't mean didn't initially mean what it means now. But regardless, um, it doesn't actually slacktivism only makes yourself feel good momentarily. It's like being at a slot machine, you know. You put your coins in the slot machine and you run it, and you get a couple of you know, coins back and it keeps you playing, but it doesn't actually serve anything in any yeah. real world way, unless you're also applying that to going out to the streets. I mean, we joke about touching grass, but, you know, hit pavement as well, like march in lines or donate money or, or give a care package to someone or just check in with yeah. people. Those are things that have effect. Mm-hmm. Being not call being your on, representatives. Mm-hmm. Call your representatives. Yeah. There's lots of different ways to do it. Like, um, I mean, hell, even though I think voting is almost virtually worthless, it's mm-hmm. more efficient than being online and tweeting. Yeah. You know, only 7% of America is on Twitter, 7%. Mm-hmm. And, and you got to factor some of those 7% are probably bot accounts, right? So yeah. let's say it's 5%. And of those 5%, think about whatever niche thing that you're into, a percentage of 5% is into that. Mm-hmm. You're really speaking to the most... Um, concentrated level of any given subculture and and you're not really affecting the the, lar- the larger world in in much way at all absolutely it's a, it's really a way to pat yourself on the back because i think a lot of people on the internet they tweet capitalism bad send tweet log off twitter that's enough activism for today i don't need to do anything else yes capitalism bad on the device that was made in with slave labor overseas on the social media site owned by a billionaire to mm-hmm. other, you know, I'm saying like, it's like, okay, cool. I mean, yeah, great. Great, dude. Yeah. You, I think you, we know that. Yeah. Listen, you, you, you probably affect more people wearing that as on a shirt. You have been listening to part one with my conversation with Cultus and Witch Viv about some of the dangers of social media, or at least at very least uh, the elephant in the room and some of the inconvenient truths that we don't talk about as it relates to the social media and the occultists and the progressive communities that live there within. Uh, Part two is going to come up next Monday. We talk about a bunch of other topics as it relates to social media. And I just want to end with uh, a simple note, which is that social media can be just like anything else in life can be a wonderful tool. It can be a tool that connects people. It can be a tool that, that provides the sharing of knowledge um, and experiences 
Um, but that can only happen if we are willing to be open to treating each other with respect and with dignity. And that means not dogpiling. It means not subtweeting. And we're all guilty of it. This is not a holier-than-thou Sermon on the Mount. This is just my experience. Um, I've made plenty of mistakes, and I hope that in part of doing this podcast, I can share some of those things and maybe other folks will make less mistakes um, and we can move towards something better. But but the way we're treating each other now, uh, it's not acceptable and, and it's not becoming of a community. that Any any group of people that call themselves a community, it's, it's just not becoming of it. I see it all the time. And if you're the type of person who the moment there's drama between people on the internet, you jump in, you start subtweeting or you start talking shit and ad hom attacks and all that you're um, you're you're actively making the world a worse place than it already is and um, i think that we all myself included need to take an opportunity to look in the mirror and ask ourselves how do we use this what could be a very wonderful tool in the most efficient positive and progressive way possible are we sharing gnosis? Are we sharing experiences? Are we sharing culture? Are we sharing love and understanding? Or are we using it as another tool to feed our ego? It's it's a difficult question. I'm not passing judgment one way or another, but I do think that it's an honest conversation that a lot of us need to have, especially if we want to position ourselves as some sort of voice or leader or mentor or uh, elder or whatever you want to call it in this community. I think we need to take a long, hard look in the mirror and ask ourselves, are we contributing to the toxicity of social media? Thank you all once again for listening to this podcast. Check back with us next Monday for part two of my conversation with Viv. And until next week, gold rings on you all.